and um, we're going to other them. And, you know, we're, we have prejudice against us, mm-hmm. uh, against uh, like a particular group. Um, it's just, it's a polite way of saying that. Like when you stigmatize people, you're just finding a reason to, to other them. Yeah, to, to group them other them than do. you. Yep. Right. Right. And so, so I think we need to kind of start calling it what it is, is that, you know, people have certain prejudices against what they, you know, people with mental illnesses. Yeah. And, and we hear, we hear it all the time, you know, um, we were in Denver a couple weeks ago and there are a lot of people, um, who are living on the street. They just don't have homes. And, um, I was reading a, a, a list of, you know, people were asking on Facebook, one of the groups I'm in, they were talking about, I'm going to Denver and um, I heard it's really dangerous there. And, and they were just saying, well, like maybe you're, there, there are a lot of people, you know, who are homeless living on the street and, but for the most part, they're going to leave you alone. But I, I think that, you know, like people use that as an excuse for being, I don't know, scared, whatever, instead of learning more about things. So I was excited when Cheryl said, yeah, let's talk about some myths surrounding mental health. And did you have one in particular, Cheryl, you wanted to talk about? Um, I did it, but what triggered or what prompted my um, wanting to talk about that topic is a reaction my son had to his first interaction with a severely mentally disabled person. Mm. Um, we were at um, a conference and he'd never experienced that before. And I did not even realize that. So he was um, staring at first and then very nervous. And he just kept saying, mommy, mommy, I have to be careful. So that prompted a conversation between he and I about, you know, what that is, what it might look like that, you know, just to allay his concerns and to help him to realize that that person is not going to hurt you. You know, they need our compassion. And sometimes, even though they might not be fully aware of what's going on, they can sense if you are staring at them or looking, you know, things like that. So it it caused a time for education and a conversation that was necessary to have that I didn't even realize because he's just never been exposed to it. So that's what, you know, made me think talking about stigmas and myths and debunking some of that that's associated with mental health is so important because many we all deal with it, mm-hmm. but not a lot of conversations are had about it by some. You know, in this arena that we all work in, we talk about it all the time. But so many, one in four, I think is the current statistic over their lifetime, will deal with some sort of mental and neurological disorder. But the average person is not having a conversation about what that means, what that looks like, you know, and especially when it comes to our children, because children are more impacted now than ever. Oh, yeah everything you know behavioral health related mental health related so that's what kind of motivated me to say hey this would be a great topic and I figured our resident guru Christina would enlighten us <laughs> <laughs> well no only I, I spent the last couple weeks uh, uh, immersed in it Peyton wrote a, a blog a myth-busting blog and um, 
we're doing a training for the Peel Center on uh, myth busting. So we've been doing a lot of research into it because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Certainly it's something that's that's on our mind. But um, I think that it's really important that we are careful the way we talk about things and the images that we see on TV, especially now because our children are more likely to experience anxiety and depression. We, we see those numbers really going up for numerous reasons. And hearing our prejudices coming out, hearing us using negative talk um, around people with mental illness is probably more likely to make our kids not want to say to us, hey, I think something's going on with me. Maybe I should talk to a doctor. And we know that that's going to really cause really adverse reactions for them because sooner the sooner that they're able to um, get treatment, talk, that could be talk treatment, that could be medication, that could be a combination. Um, but we certainly don't want our children to kind of live in fear, like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? I better not tell anybody about that because I'll be made fun of or I'll be ostracized from my friends. Yeah, I was also going to say, like, you talked about like seeing things on television, that stigmatism, um, even just like your phone nowadays, social media, you see stuff like that all the time. You know, it's it's hard to escape certain stigmatisms like that because it's, it's just everywhere. No matter what kind of platform you go on to, there's always going to be someone with that kind of stigmatism or, or joke, sad joke that did not hit home well at all or anything like that. And, um, and I, before you made that point, Christina, I was going to say uh, the stigmatism not only involved in the people that do not face these challenges, but most importantly in the people that do, because I was going to stress the fact that being able to come to, to grasp and, and okay with like, maybe I do have a, a challenge and maybe I do need to express it to other people, but being scared to just cause you saw a, an Instagram post five seconds later, making fun of someone who may have your, your challenges. It's gotta be really hard for like a young teenager, a, a young child. So making Absolutely. it just, yeah. Yeah. So just making it common, uh, it's so important, but I guess it is so challenging in this media world, right? It is. It is. And just my my daughter spends some time in an RTF and there she experienced a lot. You would never imagine that that would be an environment where she would come away with. If I talk about this certain mental health disorder, if I say I have this symptom, people are going to think I'm crazy. But that's what she learned at a residential treatment facility. So now she's home and we're processing, you know, various issues she's or challenges she's going through. And that's what she'll say to me when I say, well, Jay, why are you hesitant to talk about this or talk about that? I don't want anyone to think I'm crazy. So reinforcing to her, it doesn't mean you're crazy. It means, yeah, we need to, we need to give you some help and we're going to work together, you know, to get that help. But I need you to talk to me and explain what you're experiencing so that we can work on it together. But that process needs to happen. You know what I mean? Having that conversation doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean something is wrong with you or anything like that. Yeah, well, let me take that back. There might be something that we need to work on, but certain terminologies, I think, are very um, stigmatizing, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned, Blue, or that come across in media, that come across from peers, that come across even, unfortunately, from some professionals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
You, you know what I do think is really nice, though? Um, one of my kiddos is, uh, works in the summer camp industry. And last year and the year before a camp, as, as she was talking uh, with me, she had mentioned that they, the, our, our younger children coming up, um, maybe preteen, early teen age, they're much more uh, aware and comfortable talking about their mental health, certainly than their, maybe their parents, definitely probably than mo- the majority of their grandparents. That shocks me, actually, um, that age. I, I, I love that. Me though. too. I love that. And so, so maybe that is um, something good about social media where kiddos are able to connect with one another and have those conversations and share and, and talk about different situations than, I mean, we never would have talked about, you know, mental health, mental illness when I was a child. Um, so I know that, that she had said that sometimes some kiddos would come up to her and be like, I need to go home. I'm, I'm not feeling safe here and not in an external way, but in an internal way, I need to go home. I need to talk to somebody. And again, like the, their preteens, maybe younger, you know, um, and, and young teens for them to just have that awareness of what's happening with them and what's going on. Uh, and what their options are, that, I mean, that's just brilliant. I, I love that. I, I'm so excited about that. So I think it's um, maybe it's it's a lot about us older adults, not meaning old people or, you know, just adults maybe, <laughs> to catch up to Gen Z and talk about, you know, mental illness, talk about anxiety. It's, it's okay to, to have that word to label it, you know, in the proper way. You know, you don't have anxiety. Um, you may be anxious, so you don't have a diagnosis of anxiety just because maybe you don't like to fly um, or you're nervous about something. And, and using the term properly um, so that you know, you could, you, you let people around you know that you're comfortable talking about things. Absolutely. That social emotional learning component, I think is yeah. really important. And I, I feel like in some cases, in, in, in my case, it's unfortunate that our learning curve had to happen rather quickly because of my daughter's experience. But I think a positive is that for my younger son, it enabled me to be very open and communicative about talking about feelings and talking about you know, emotions, what he's going through, processing things with him. And he's so expressive. He will, we, from, from, I homeschool him. So from the first pre-K class of homeschool, we have a, on his calendar is what, what feelings are you having this morning? And we could do, you know, check-ins throughout the day if I notice a little change and he could just pick a picture, you know, and put it there. And if he wanted to talk about it, then we could, if not, we'll talk about it later. But Helping him, like you mentioned, to label certain emotions and that it doesn't mean that's a diagnosis, but it does mean that that's a feeling and talking about it, processing it is healthy, you know, and if you are frustrated or angry, that's also healthy for for males (laughs) who are encouraging them. It's okay to cry, to shed a tear, you know, rather than punch something, (laughs) you know, know, so encouraging those conversations 
even though he was so young, has aided now that he's a little bit older. He's eight now, but these conversations started three, four, to enable him to say, Mom, I just need a minute. Aww. Yeah. Mom, I just need a hug. Aww. You know, different <laughs> different things like that, which I'm so happy, you know, that that's the case. But huh. it's the process of that, of having those conversations, which starts with, like you mentioned, the adults, where mm-hmm. sometimes we have to catch up. <laughs> yeah, know, so I was going to make a comment on the catch up. I'm happy you brought that back up, Cheryl. Um, so it's it's like such a different time now, right? Like I could think back to my mom. She we were sure like she would describe the relationship between like her and her mom. And and like my mom said she wasn't really allowed to have many opinions. That's what my grandmother said. Like you can't have opinions, you know, mm-hmm. because like I'm kind of I'm the boss, you know. So and then my mom has always made a point to stress that all my kids are going to have an opinion and be able to talk and, and do all this stuff. And so like catching up is in the sense, like it's just a different world that you guys lived in, you know, like it wasn't talked about at all. So I, I'm kind of curious to, to see or, or question you guys and how different is it from your perspective as from growing up in it and then now being a mom. You assume that I'm not 21. (laughs) (laughs) So I have an eight-year-old boy at 21 now. (laughs) Problem is Brewer can do math. I know. It's the new math. (laughs) It would be fine if Cheryl was a very young mom. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She could have, she could have, uh, she could have had her son at 10. Yes. There you go. At 10. There you go. Um, you know, I, I don't, I I don't know. Um, my, you know, my mom was, my mom was definitely raised differently, but worked really hard to show affection and, and be there and, you know, and, and talk to me and, you know, so, so I'm, I guess I'm more think about it in terms of friends and my, you know, my peer group that I was around and you would never like I don't even remember words like depression or anxiety um, ever being used when I was younger. Certainly not when I was in college. Um, you know, it would be something that would be something that people would say, and their voice would get really quiet. Oh, she has. You know, she's. She's, um, she's not feeling well, if you know what I mean. You know, like we, we wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't talk about things like that out loud. Right. Like somehow saying them at a normal conversational volume would, I, I Disrupt know, the norm. end the universe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, it was just, it was nothing ever talked about. Um, and even when, so, so all my children are adults now, even when my kiddos were younger, it it still wasn't necessarily something that was even accepted or talked about. And I, I love the fact that I hear the word neurodivergence more. I, and I love that because nobody has one particular brain type where we learn and we think and we exist the same way. Um, and so the fact just that, that we have a, a label for that and a name for it. So we could talk about, or different learning styles or how we process emotions or how we feel. I, I think that that, I think that that's great as a society. And again, I just think that 
people who didn't grow up like that. We have to be open to it's a different world and we just need to catch up. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, I think I, I um, could echo what you're saying, Christina, because um, growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, um, there were extreme mental health yeah, scenarios yeah. talked about. But that was really it. Like the common terminologies now, anxiety, adjustment disorder, you know, the ADD, all of those things, I don't remember ever hearing. I often talk about the fact that when I was growing up, no one had a peanut allergy or gluten allergy or anything, you know, but nowadays it's commonplace. And I think it's it's somewhat similar in the um, behavioral health, mental health arena. These, I, I know my mom, when I was young, she worked in a special ed classroom, but the the behaviors and the, uh, the the students in that classroom, like I said, were so severe. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was that was my only frame of reference. Like most of them were wheelchair bound or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Some very, mm-hmm. very um, intense symptoms. So it is um, refreshing. And I guess a, a, a statement to, to the times that we live in that so much more knowledge is abundant, you know, and that people can even if there's not per se a, de- a diagnosis and they're not ready for that process as of yet, but there's so much information out there to learn about emotions and to aid people in figuring out how to navigate that journey until they are ready to maybe pursue a diagnosis. I guess if, I guess there were extremes. So if you fit whatever someone decided was extreme enough of a diagnosis or you had extreme enough of a need then there were places maybe that people would go away to um and otherwise you were just kind of left figuring it out on your own i think of my grandfather a world war ii vet who did not talk about his experiences at war often. Occasionally, he would say a word or two. Um, A couple things that stick out in my mind, like him saying, um, his uh, brother-in-law saying, hey, do you want to come hunt? And his response being, I've, you know, I've killed enough things in my life. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, So just those itsy-bitsy little tiny, like the slit of the blinds that you can kind of look through. You'd get just that little slice of maybe what was going on inside of his head. And, you know, he would struggle with, I don't, you know, he was an alcoholic and would, but was a managing alcoholic, you know, held a great job, you know, whatever, uh, which was probably pretty typical back then. So it, it is nice. There's a few people that I follow on TikTok um, who one of them was in the most, one of the most recent wars we were in as a medic and was uh, injured and talks about his like PTSD and his traumatic brain injury and how that will affect him moving forward. Um, and so I just, again, the, the fact that people are, are willing to put themselves out there and talk about things, I think um, we need to recognize how brave that could be because people are, sometimes people are really, really, really mean. Um, and especially for us to think about how we react because our children are always watching. 
And if you realize that maybe in the past you were the person who was making the jokes or maybe behaving in a tone deaf fashion, there's nothing wrong with, with evolving and saying, you know, I, I learned more. And when we, we know more, we do better. So to, to be comfortable having those, those kind of conversations. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that point because I know even for myself, like, like you, you both were talking about before some of the off color, you know, jokes we might see on social media, whatever, but I would reference myself as, Oh, I'm being OCD. Yeah. You know, things like that yeah. where, where now being, you know, more educated and knowledgeable about how that could affect someone who does have an OCD diagnosis or how right. insensitive that is, how tone deaf that could come off. And there's, better ways to describe. No, I don't have that diagnosis, but I'm very particular. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know? So so being sensitive to those things, I think, is very important because that can be um, um, adding to the stigma or to the discomfort level that someone with an actual diagnosis might be feeling. Yeah. Or or maybe you could have OCD. So I was just about to say, alternatively, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, this is just part of who I am. Yep. And so we're going to, you know, uh, as your friend, as your coworker, as, you know, uh, someone who's around you, a family member, whatever, we're going to allow you to talk about that. And we're going to embrace the fact that you are open and say, these are the things that I need to do to get through the day. So, you know, as my friend, just kind of embrace that and and come along on the journey with me. Right. Yeah. And even if it's not like an OCD or, or ADHD that you do have, it does bring up the conversation that there is something going on and that there is something that needs to be resolved with and to not suppress it. So to realize that there is something is so important because uh, suppressing it, it could just lead to such a future of, of stress and challenges. And um, so get it out there quick, you know? And how awful is it for people to, like, hate themselves? Oh, my gosh. Awful. Awful. And, and just really feel uncomfortable. I, I never mind when um, I have a, a million thoughts and a million ideas of, oh, this weekend I should X, Y, Z. And I'll, I'll message a friend and be like, hey, do you want to? go shopping this weekend. Do you want to go to this concert this weekend? Do you want to do this or that this weekend? And I'm always really fine if they say no, mm-hmm. because, okay. So realistically, when the time comes to actually go, I'm probably not going to want to go anyway. Same. Right? <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, did, did, oh, did, yeah. right? Right? Like, oh, why, I was so optimistic four days ago that I would want to put on pants. Yep. The house. Like, <laughs> I really want to do that. Thanks for backing out. <laughs> I never have a problem if a friend says, no, I, I'm not going to do that right now. Or if a friend doesn't answer that, I think being a good friend is recognizing that sometimes people may go through things and don't take it personally. So if maybe a friend drops off your radar for a little while, maybe they have something going on, but you can still reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could accept the fact that they're going to say, Hey, sorry, I got to cancel today. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and, Especially if you know if they have told you that they deal with depression, that they deal with anxiety or anything. Yeah. Maybe they're just having a tough time at work. Yeah, roles reversed. Um, you would hope the same for you, right? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's so true. 
right. checking in on our friends, checking in. You know what I've noticed? Because I'm a person who, when I'm struggling, I smile the most probably. Mm-hmm. So, and I've seen so much, you know, so many um, posts and stuff out there. I'm not on TikTok like Christina. I'm not. <laughs> Me neither, actually. I'm not on there. What? You guys, you guys yeah, are, never. You guys aren't on TikTok. Wait, I haven't quite graduated to that level yet. My Don't worry, I'll, I'll curate. I'll, <laughs> I'll curate. Oh goodness, words. I'll curate your uh, your TikTok list for you. Yeah, okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I'm on but... like I'm on the mental health and Excel and Chat GPT tiktok yeah that makes sense <laughs> that's just your old page don't, right don't, that's my world right work don't don't send the excel ones yeah but it is important to check in on people especially yeah. if we know that they have um a diagnosis of some sort if they've shared that with us but just in general because i know like um we've had a, a blog post about things to notice in children that they you know they might be having challenges mental mm-hmm. health related ch- challenges on our website but um and something that's so interesting is that like i said i know about myself i'll smile a lot and make a lot of jokes when i yeah. am in my in my darkest moments and um my daughter does the same mm-hmm. so she presents a very phony happy persona that the majority of people would not catch on to but that's generally when I know, okay, something else is going on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and my son, in his verbal way of expressing it, he'll say, yeah, I might act like I'm happy right now, mommy, but inside I'm not. Mm-hmm. So Aww. it's... <laughs> I love that, that he is just, just, just tells you how he's feeling. That That's brilliant. I'm so thankful that he does. And it's taken a lot of work. But I, yeah. like I said, it's my own education for my daughter that helped me to know, you know, what things to in, inculcate in him. So, but it's important even for our, for our children because it might not present the same for every child. Yeah. You know, the fact that they are experiencing challenges or that they might need a further evaluation for a diagnosis. You know, it could look like sleeping a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it could. Well, one of the things that, shocked me and I tell I tell people I tell my children that my life is a cautionary tale so look at what I've done and don't do that um so looking back on my my parenting journey I I never realized that anger and irritability really are a a major sign of like depression and anxiety and I just think of all the times, you know, one of my children would would just for absolutely no reason just suddenly get like so angry or annoyed. Um, and probably some of that was just being a teenager and having me as mom. But, um, you know, just that that anger is is something that I never knew was uh, a sign of anxiety or depression. And so, um, you know, again, as as parents, we we learn <laughs> our children are probably our greatest teachers. And um, so it's it's good to to kind of be able to, again, like look back and once you learn things, do better from them, share that information, have those conversations with people. Um, I love, so I'm on TikTok because I learned so much on it. Um, I, I don't, I somehow have missed all the like dance TikTok, things people probably need to send me like who should I be following to learn all the dance moves right. <laughs> I should I should probably be doing that that does really sound fun instead of like watching a, a TikTok on this is how you utilize a you know like an excel spreadsheet to create 
but it You're keeps right. you it keeps you watching it. You're like, oh, how do you do excited? You're like, what? <laughs> we do need to broaden your horizon. Even on Instagram, they have some really good um, dance ones. Like, there's actually a um, a f- group of fathers. I think they're in the UK that dance to bring uh, mental health awareness. No way! That's awesome. How do I miss yeah. those? I don't, I, miss those. I don't know, but I meant to forward it to to yes. to everybody because. Yes. It's a pretty cool concept, mm-hmm. and their dancing is so cheesy. Sorry, oh, guys. I love it. But- <laughs> sorry, guys. If you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, if you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> but it's got me, you know, checking it out and watching it because, and and it's it's a really good uh, concept to bring bring attention. Yeah. Our, our next uh, staff retreat will be dancing to bring awareness <laughs> to mental health. Uh, I'm sure Peyton would love that. <laughs> I, oh, you know, you know, Peyton would love that, and and I also want you to know, Peyton, that I or uh, Brewer, that I'm going to totally throw you under the bus. Mm-hmm. When I talk to Peyton, I'm sure it's going to be in a few minutes. I'm going to be like, hey, you know what your brother said you should do? Yeah, <laughs> he said you love to dance uh, in videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So be careful when you see her this weekend. She yes, might yeah, not be yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This is what happens when you when you work with family and friends, right? That is it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I just love the fact that people are so much more aware of mental health and um, talking about it and just making it so much more acceptable. But there are a lot of people who, still who aren't. So I think that that's where it becomes our job when someone makes an off-color comment or an off-color joke to approach them with kindness and be like, yeah, you know, like that's, that's, that's not so funny. <laughs> or why is that funny? Ask them genuinely out of like curiosity. Why, why is that funny? Um, and just no one in the, the group, if you challenge somebody who's making jokes like that, nobody in the group may say, oh, hey, thanks for doing that. But there may be people listening who now know that you're an okay person to talk to and to reach out to. And I think that that's, that's really important. It's making other people comfortable. Yeah. And I, I think that's the whole point of this, right? It's making it the norm. You know, once something becomes the norm, there is no issue for double thinking or getting in your head about it. I didn't think differently about grabbing water this morning. That's the norm, you know, and yep. no one else around me would think differently. No one else should think differently. If I, I go, Hey, Hey, Hey brother, I'm having a rough day. Something's not going on up here that should be going on. Maybe I just need some time to myself. In some hemispheres, that's not norm. It should be, and and that's a sad truth. But uh, we could could do so many things, like we said, with social media, uh, with other forms of media, or just with ourselves to to make it the norm to rid all these myths and and these stigmas. And uh, and uh, I think a step in the right path uh, is what we're doing today. Right, is talking about it. And uh, if you listeners at all. Uh, would like to comment or question on it, please hit us up at uh, paparentalliancefamily.org. Um, we have tons of ways to contact us on there. And uh, that's all I got to say. You guys have anything else to comment on? No, just happy mental health awareness fund. Yes. And uh, keep talking about your mental health. Don't bad in other words. That's it. Thank you for listening.